Well, this evening we are returning to our study in Mark. Last week we looked at the account of the death of John the Baptist, and in that account we saw um, two examples. Uh, We saw John the Baptist, who was really a a sterling example of one who was a slave to righteousness. We talked about the, the, the contrast between them. And the other character in that account, Herod Antipas, gave us, of course, a very different example. He was a man enslaved by his sin, and Herod had seared his conscience and did not have the courage to spare the life of John the Baptist, the prophet of God. Instead, he had him beheaded, and he continued in his sin. And in our text this evening, we return back to kind of the storyline that Mark has laid out for us and um, to the events and the lives of Jesus and his disciples. And here again, we get another answer and we get more color into this picture that Mark is painting for us of who is Jesus Christ. And just as the Spirit has inspired His Word, we need the Spirit's help in understanding the Word. So let's pray and ask His blessing upon the reading, and the proclamation of His Word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the Gospel of Mark. We thank You for the way that it shows us Jesus Christ. Thank You for this wonderful story of Christ feeding the 5,000 and how He abundantly provides for His sheep. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that You are the Good Shepherd and You have laid down Your life for the sheep. Bless us as we consider your word, open our eyes and our minds to receive it, and Lord, I pray that it would change us, challenge us, and and conform us to the image of Christ. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, Lord, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Mark 6, and beginning with verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them to sit down. He commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Amen. And we praise God that he has spoken to us this evening in his holy and inerrant word. 
This text that we just read is really full of Old Testament allusions, and I hope that you could see some of them. One of them is Psalm 23. There's a reason why I chose songs that help draw our mind um, to that psalm. The Shepherd Psalm, as it's sometimes called, is perhaps the most well-known of, of all the psalms. I hope we could all quote it. You don't have to, but you know how it begins. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And there's a reason why this song, psalm has comforted untold numbers of generations of Christians. Foremost is that it explicitly tells us that God is our shepherd, that He is our provider, that He loves and cares for His people. Another reason is that we can see ourselves so easily in this metaphor of a sheep. We are so much like a sheep, and we need a shepherd. And this text, I think, shows us three things about Christ and His disciples that we, we need to notice. First is the compassionate Christ. Secondly is the insufficient disciples. And finally, we want to reflect upon the sufficient shepherd, Jesus Christ. We see the compassion of Christ. Remember what the disciples have been doing. Last week we said was a little bit of an interlude, a, a stop in the action as, as we were related this story of the, of the death of John the Baptist and, and who Herod was and the contrast between these two men. But earlier, and that was several weeks ago that we examined the passage, Jesus had sent the disciples out. He sent them two by two. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. They were to bring forward His message of repentance. They were to preach. They were to teach. They were to do miracles in Christ's name. And sometimes we make the mistake, I I know I have in the past, of, of looking at a passage of Scripture and reading maybe two or three verses and thinking that because it's a short section of Scripture that maybe it's a short duration of time. But we do ourselves a disservice if we do that because sometimes... Scripture packs a whole lot chronologically in a few verses. And I think that's the case for the the mission of these disciples as they went forward two by two. Commentators think that that might have taken six to nine months because they were there were six teams of two and they went to various villages. They preached, they taught, they stayed with people. They did the work that Christ sent them to do and it took some time. But they come back and they tell Jesus all about what they had done and taught, and Jesus sees that they are tired. And, and you can understand that. The work that they did was exhausting. And it should come to no surprise to, to many of you that ministry is and can be tiring. I don't say that as an excuse for myself, but I know that many of you are heavily involved in the ministries of Christ church. There's a variation of a popular children's rhyme that goes like this. Mary had a little lamb. It was given her to keep, but then it joined the local church and died for lack of sleep. <laughs> I think we try to structure the ministries of Christ Church in such a way that that is not, does not characterize our, our ministry volunteers. But ministry is taxing, okay? And when, when you think about what these disciples did, they were tired, and Christ saw that. He was compassionate upon them. They needed rest. But I think about us. Sometimes we don't feel like we can rest. And why is that? Why is it that we feel like we have to go and go and go? We, we cannot rest from the work in our home, our workplace, or even in the church. Do we really feel like we must do it all? Do we think that the world would stop if we merely stopped and took a breather? At the Embers to Flame conference this weekend... 
Dr. Harry Reeder spoke more than once about needing to have margin in our lives. And I'm sure many of you have heard that phrase of simply having spaces in your life where you don't pack it full. You don't spend all the money that you make. You don't schedule all the time that is possibly available in a 24-hour period. We should rest. We should look to the Lord as, the, as our provider. That's why the Lord's Day is so important, and we're reminded of that week in and week out, and that's one thing I'm so grateful about the ministry of Christ Church, and Pastor Greco is so good about reminding us the reason for the Lord's Day to remind us to rest. And if we build this margin in our life, then we will have some reserve. We will have something in our tank for when a crisis comes up. But Jesus here sees the weariness of the disciples. He knew that they needed a retreat. They needed rest. We saw last week that being a disciple means that we must be willing to give our all. That's certainly what John the Baptist did. It means that we must be willing to give our very lives for the sake of the gospel. But it it doesn't mean, being a disciple doesn't mean we can never rest. Yes, the call to follow Christ is the call to come and die, to lay down your life and take up your cross and follow Christ. But here we see that Christ loves his own. Here we see that Christ understands their needs, their physical needs. And he says, come away and rest. But we also see in this text an interruption to that rest. We see an invitation to rest, and then we see an interruption of rest. Once again, the crowds are present, and they are very present, and there's a whole lot of them. And even as the disciples were giving their report to Jesus of the work that they had done, people were pressing in upon them. They couldn't even get a bite to eat. There were so many people. So Jesus calls them away, and they get in a boat because that's an easier way to travel to kind of skirt the edge of the Sea of Galilee. But picture this in your mind. Here's these disciples. They're tired. Jesus has said, yes, you guys need to rest. Let's get away for a a couple of days or or whatever it was going to be. It's, It's likely that they were even within sight of the shore as they traveled, at least for part of it. So it could be that they saw the crowd running to where they are, to their destination. And if they were like me, they were probably thinking, oh, this is not going to be so much of a, of a retreat. Look at all these people. What are we going to do? So, but Jesus sees their true need. I thought of myself, you know, when, when uh, you're, you're and, and maybe y'all can, can identify with me if you're getting ready for a good nap on a Sunday afternoon and you think the house is quiet and you get laid down, and the dog starts barking, or the kids start fighting. Something happens to interrupt that rest. I don't always respond, I'll confess, in a godly way to those circumstances. But Jesus did. Jesus didn't sin when he was interrupted. He went to the heart of the matter. He saw the true need of the people. He didn't just see them as an interruption. It says that that he, he was compassionate towards them. This has the idea of him being moved in his inmost being. He had compassion upon them because he saw them as they really were. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. I'm sure you've heard this and and know this, but but it's good for us to be reminded that, that we are sheep and we need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd to guide them because sheep simply aren't very smart. 
I read an account of a, of a few years ago in Turkey, in the nation of Turkey, that one sheep wandered off a cliff and hundreds other sheep followed. And the news reported that hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, eastern Turkey plunging to their deaths, while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their death in a ravine in Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who followed them off the cliff. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free, resulting in a loss to the local farmers of an estimated $74,000. One sheep walked off a cliff, and 1,499 followed them. Sheep aren't very smart. They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd to protect them, to guide them. They really have no no defense mechanism of their own. So they need protection. They're dependent upon the shepherd for that. And they need a shepherd to feed them. They're dependent upon the shepherd for everything. The people that flocked to that place that was supposed to be a place of retreat are just like the rest of us apart from Christ. They were hungry, they were thirsty, they were defenseless, and they were lost. And even when Jesus and his disciples were robbed of that much-needed rest that they deserved, Jesus continued to minister. He was always about his father's business, meeting the needs of those around him. This fact should be a great comfort to us. But there's more going on here than just a simple invitation to rest. There's more than just a lesson that Jesus will see and meet the needs of those that want Jesus is certainly showing us that he cares for his people, but he's also showing us who he is. Remember in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, that it is God who leads by the still waters and gives rest in green pastures. He feeds with abundant provision. This is our shepherd. Our shepherd has come in human form, Jesus Christ. The language here also echoes that passage in the, in the book of Ezekiel. When, when Ezekiel is told by God to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, those that were supposed to be leading them, those that were supposed to be guiding and protecting them. And Ezekiel prophesies against them. He says, in in strong language, he says to those leaders of Israel in his day, he says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. What a stinging indictment against the leaders of Israel in the days of Ezekiel. And then it goes on in verse 5, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Verse 6 again says, My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. In just a few verses, he repeats that phrase, My sheep were scattered. My sheep had no shepherd. The whole chapter is, is filled with descriptive language of this. I commend it to you to read it and to think about Christ, the fulfillment of that. Because God says in verse 15 of Ezekiel 34, he says, I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and I will feed them in justice. 
The passage shows how Christ fulfills Ezekiel's prophecy. Here is God himself in the person of Jesus Christ coming to shepherd his sheep that are scattered. The compassionate Christ is the good shepherd. Not only do we see the compassionate Christ in this passage, we also see insufficient disciples. They were lacking. They were lacking both in understanding and in ability. And Mark is so brutally honest when it comes to the disciples. He, he tells it like it is. He tells us just all their misunderstandings and their stupidity. And I can't help but smile when I read the Gospel of Mark and think about Peter as an old man sitting at his shoulder probably as he wrote this. And just saying, yep, we really were that dumb. We really did not get it. Go ahead, write it. That's just the way it was. But it helps us to understand their misunderstanding, their lack of understanding. Here they didn't understand what Christ was doing. They were thinking of themselves. They were thinking of their own weariness. And Jesus had compassion on the crowds instead of sending them away. And instead of sending them away, he began to teach them. And we get the impression from the text that it wasn't just a a 10-minute homily. He taught them and continued to teach them. So much so that they grew tired, they grew weary. They were wondering, okay, what, how long is this going to go on? It says, verse 35, and it grew late. His disciples came and said, this is a desolate place. It is late. Send them away into the surrounding countryside to get something to eat. Maybe they were murmuring to, them, to one another saying, I thought we came here to rest. It's a little hard to rest with all these people here, isn't it? Well, maybe they'll leave before it gets too late. And so then they make this appeal. But what was Jesus' reply? It's rather shocking. He says, you give them something to eat. That's really probably not what they expected to hear. Maybe they said, "Uh, well, Jesus, you know we didn't bring anything in the boat with us. We don't have anything. You want us to go buy bread? It's, It's afternoon, the bread that that had been baked the night or early that morning was probably all gone, even if they could have gone to a village. It's going to be about eight months' wages worth of bread to feed a crowd that was the crowd that was there. The disciples lacked understanding of what Jesus was doing and who Jesus is, and they lacked ability as well. They were themselves hungry and tired. And Jesus has the audacity to tell them to feed the crowd. Now, why is it that you think he did that? Here Christ had just shown compassion to his disciples. He had called them away to a time of retreat. He was, he was understanding their needs. He, he, he was Christ. He knew their need. And yet he commands, in a sense, commands them to produce bread. It seems almost cruel in a way. But really, when you think about it, Jesus really is doing something bigger here. He's doing something much bigger than what the disciples were thinking. They were thinking of their own weakness, their own hunger, and their own lack of resources. They only saw a large crowd of hungry people. But Jesus saw them for who they really were. Sinful, needy people that needed bread, yes, but they needed much more than bread. They needed a shepherd. They needed taught. They needed Christ. And this is a way that Christ often works. He shows us 
how bankrupt we are in and of our own ability. He strips us of our own sufficiency so that he might give us more than what we would know to ask for on our own. Christ often strips us of our own sufficiency to give us more than what we would know to ask for on our own. We are so much like these disciples. We are so completely bankrupt of ability. What is it that you're seeking Christ for tonight? What is it that you're completely desperate for? What is it that you feel is beyond your ability to provide? Jesus specializes in in these things. He is the sufficient Savior. In in contrast to the insufficiency of the disciples, we see the all-sufficiency of Christ. He is sufficient in that He teaches the people, He feeds the people, and He satisfies the people. We've already noticed that He's taught the crowds. He gave them more than just physical bread. He gave them the food of His Word. He's promised to give us, saints of God, everything that we need, both physically and spiritually. As we noted, Jesus asked what, is, what food is available. Interestingly, this miracle that's recorded here in Mark 6 is recorded in all four of the gospel accounts. And in John, he tells us that it is a boy who has been a good boy scout and come prepared and, and actually brought his lunch. And so um, John records Andrew as saying, what is this among so many? What is just just these fish and, and loaves among so many? But it didn't matter to Jesus. He had them sit down in an orderly way in groups of 50 and hundreds and 50s, just as if the catering trucks were just coming over the hill, but they weren't. First, he, he prayed a simple blessing, and then he began to break and distribute the bread and the fishes. And lo and behold, the fish and the bread lasted and lasted and lasted and lasted It lasted until everyone had taken their fill and were completely satisfied. This afternoon, I asked my family what they thought this miracle was all about. And and one of my children said, "Uh, Christ's power. And certainly that's here. That's here, and we can't miss that. That is glaringly obvious to us. Christ is all-powerful, and Christ is the provision. But there's more. There's more to it. Because he's telling us who he really is. Remember how God worked through Moses in the time in the wilderness, how God provided for his people, how he provided manna in the wilderness? Here is the new and better prophet that Moses himself promised in Deuteronomy 18. Here is the new leader for the people of God that was foreshadowed in Joshua, the leader of God's people in Numbers 27. In that passage, Moses prayed to the Lord and said, let the Lord The God appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in. And listen to this, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. What does the name Joshua mean? Jehovah saves. What does Jesus mean? He is a savior. That's Jesus Christ right there. The one that makes sure that the sheep are not scattered without a shepherd. Joshua was the immediate fulfillment of that, but Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of that. He is the good shepherd, and just as the Lord in Psalm 23 makes us lie down in green pastures, here Jesus sat the 5,000 plus people on the green grass to receive the bread that he promises. 
And just as the Jewish leaders failed to feed the people in the days of Ezekiel, the leaders of Jesus' day were failing to spiritually feed the people of God. But Jesus comes as the true and ultimate shepherd to feed the flock. I think of, uh, this, is, this is such a, a beautiful metaphor of, 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 as God, of God as our shepherd and Christ as the good shepherd. I, I remember when I was in college and I arrived at a Christian college in Ohio and they had a very strong music department and, and almost on a dare, um, a friend in, of mine and myself joined the choir and we began practicing the Messiah. And I had, I, I've always enjoyed just singing, but had never really had any formal training before that. And so I was completely lost, just trying to follow the music. But I remember one day as we were practicing, and if you're familiar with that piece, you know that in, um, in one section of it, it, it's all scripture, but in one section of it, in, it, it, uh, there's, it you, the, the, um, there's a solo part and a duet part that, that sings Isaiah 40, 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And I remember our, our director, as he, was, as he was directing that piece, he just, he just broke down. He just broke down weeping and he just put his baton down and just cried. Because he was so overwhelmed at that thought as of God as our shepherd. And gently he gently leads those that are with young. And that should be a sweet comfort to us. Knowing that the Lord Jesus is the good shepherd that cares for his sheep. He's the one that keeps them from being scattered. He's the one who feeds them and guides them and cares for them and leads them. Lastly, we want to see... That short verse, 40, verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. Christ's provision is enough. And it's interesting to think about the contrast with the previous passage that we looked at last week. What did we see there? We saw a lavish feast by a bunch of sinful, drunken, lustful men. And they were enslaved to their passions and they were not satisfied. And here Christ spreads an amazing feast for thousands of people, and they were satisfied because they looked to the shepherd for their provision. Jesus provided abundantly for all who were there that day, and may we too find our abundant our satisfaction in Christ's abundant provision. If you're here this evening, if you're outside of Christ, you're like a sheep without a shepherd. Come to Christ, repent and trust in Him for your salvation. He is the only one that can truly satisfy. And as we close, we must notice one of the final verses, verse 43, where it tells us that there were 12 baskets left over. Now, why were there 12 baskets? Some say, well, it's so that little boy could take him back home to his mom and say, look what I got for my lunch. Well, I don't think it was that. I think it was the fact that there were 12 disciples who had just been commissioned by Christ and returned from working out that commission in what he had sent them to do. They had seen what he had done. And here were 12 baskets of food. And they probably stood there a little bit dumbfounded when it was all over, each of them looking at each other. I can kind of picture them holding these baskets thinking, wow, I can't believe this just happened. But hopefully, somewhere down the road, they remembered that day. 
they remembered what God had done, what Christ had done on that day. And their commission then was to take his message forward, to continue to feed his sheep, to continue the mission that Christ had, and to feed his people. They were to be under shepherds of the good shepherd. And it also reminded them, and it should remind us, that we have something to give. We have something to offer to others. We have something to feed them. We have something to share. We have the good news of the gospel. So now, I tell you, go and share the spiritual food that Christ abundantly provides his sheep. Let us pray.